1: Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Johnny, and welcome to episode 85 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast.
0: I'm here with Trevor G. Reed. What's that G stand for, Trevor? The G is, is Grant, but... Or, or uh, Gangsta. Or Gangsta. I'll take Gangsta. <laughs> 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 All right,
1: so Trevor is from San Francisco, worked in the kind of tech scene for a bit. Yep. And we met here in Chiang Mai back in July, so a few months ago. Yeah. He was here for
0: a month. Yeah, you were the first person I met when I got here, actually. Like, I walked into Pun Space... And you were just kind of standing there making your coffee. And I was like, oh, that's Johnny. That's like, he's from the internet. I got to go meet him. <laughs> so tell us a little bit
1: about your background. What made you decide to come out of here? And how did you find me or Chiang Mai?
0: Yeah, so I spent about three and a half years working at a startup out in San Francisco. Uh, and I was kind of, you know, getting, getting ready to like change up my pace a little bit, getting a little burnt out. And uh, and so I left my job, actually moved to Salt Lake City, and was like, I'm just gonna be a ski bum. And so I did that for about six months, and in my free time I started kind of researching like how I could kind of keep this going, how I could start making money again. I wasn't really interested in getting, you know, a uh, a quote unquote real job. and uh, And this kind of like, you know, travel and digital nomad stuff started kind of coming up on my radar and once that happened then Chiang Mai I kept on seeing Chiang Mai over and over again it's like what is this place I've never heard of it and um and yeah so I was planning this big southeast Asia backpacking trip figured I'd end it with a month in Chiang Mai check it out see if like the community here is real and uh and if I liked it and then uh if I did it come back and I'm back all right <laughs> yeah End of podcast.
1: See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm actually curious a little bit about uh, Salt Lake City because I've heard that's a great snowboarding and skiing place. Yeah. I forgot who it was. Somebody I met at Pun Space actually was was like, you should go there for a winter. You can get a cabin or you can get an apartment in Salt Lake City, which is how far from the actual ski slopes.
0: So if you want to go to like Snowbird or Alta, which are like you know world class ski resorts. Uh, Thirty minutes if there's no traffic on a powder day, a lot longer, unless you get up really, really early. Um, like how early is early? Like six AM. Okay, so early. <laughs> like before they open up the mountain, you wow. have to be like in line. People okay. are serious about it there. And there's like this really cool kind of um, I guess like understanding with a lot of the places there where if you like if you work somewhere and there's a powder day, a lot of companies are just like, Yeah, take the morning, go ski and then come back.
1: So I'm assuming a powder day
0: means it's a good day to, to snowboard. It's but... Like it's like the first day after you get fresh snow. Okay. Yeah. So you it's all new. None of it's been touched yet. So you're gonna know snow. the the night before tomorrow's gonna be powder day. Yeah. Usually it's already started snowing. Mm. You know? And
1: the, the companies. So like even if you're working for let's say like you know some random office. Yeah. Just because it's the culture there, people are expected to
0: that's the that's the vibe that I got I mean I was pretty much only interacting with people that had that perk so I don't really know how how like common it was mm-hmm. but yeah I talked to people that were like yeah I just came up here like we were just on the lift and they'd see their boss like skiing down there like oh I guess I don't have a meeting this morning because there's my boss that's so, cool yeah well, awesome. were you working out there or were you, no, you literally just bumming I, it I was literally bumming it yeah and it's you know it's a much much lower cost of living than San Francisco mm-hmm. um one of my buddies was out there so we got to share an apartment um and yeah it was, it was really fun so salt lake
1: was before or after san francisco it's after after yeah. okay so let, let's rewind a bit uh why'd you move from dc
0: to san francisco well i was so i was studying computer science in college and uh i totally got like uh kind of enchanted by the whole startup scene in san francisco and i was like i gotta go out there um you know there's you know, Hacker news and reddit and all these other kind of online communities that were just like all about uh, Startups and so I wanted to be a part of that uh, And then one of my friends got a job at this this really cool company He was like you should check it out. So I did ended up getting a job there, too and uh, Yeah, and I stayed there the whole time that I was at San Francisco.
1: Okay, so how long how, like how how long was that?
0: Um, almost three and a half years. Okay, that's a while. Yeah, can you talk about what company it was? Yeah, so we were in ad tech. Um, so, like, if you've ever like gone on to uh, look at like a cool pair of shoes on you know some e-commerce site, and then uh, you've gone around on the internet, on Facebook, just like random Google sites, whatever, um, and you see ads for those that particular pair of shoes or shoes that are just like it or that kind of stuff. Uh, that was the space that we were in. Uh, a lot of like very very targeted, like kind of big data. Machine learning, all of those kinds of things that had to come together to build this product, uh, really, really smart engineering. So, team.
1: like similar to like just retargeting ads.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were retargeting, but with we only worked with like these big, big brands, cars. like you know, well, I'll leave some of them out. But okay, <laughs> yeah, that's all right.
1: So I do a little bit of retargeting for for my stores yeah. mainly through just Facebook ads that follow people, mm-hmm. and it's great because for a very tiny budget, I think I spend like eight dollars a month in retargeting ads. I get good conversions because it's people who went specifically to a product on my store. They were looking at it for a while and it just kind of gently reminds them wherever they go on Facebook or somewhere else. Like, Hey, do you remember this? Do you want to buy it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's really effective because of that. uh, some of the tricks are like, you know, not pestering people to the point where they're like, Oh my God, get this product away from me. Um, or like if you already bought it, like, Okay, mm. I bought my I bought my shoes. Why are you still showing me shoes? Um, so can you be smart? And show like you know something similar related it with it, yeah. or like you know something something that people might want to get after they bought shoes. So why did you leave the startup? It was it was kind of getting to be time. Um, I mean, just because of the way that the Bay Area works, it's pretty uncommon to stay somewhere for like especially a startup for much longer than four years, mm-hmm. and. Um, and it was it was like pretty pretty intense, and I was I was ready to to just like kind of do something else. Okay. Yeah.
1: So did you leave with the like a big payout package?
0: Um. So I left with some equity. Uh, mm-hmm. I I just like bought all of it up that I was allowed to, uh, and I was like you know maybe this maybe this will be worth something in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, I think it was a pretty pretty standard package for what most. Most software engineers get out there. Okay, I think. so when you say
1: buy it up, so it's almost kind of like a, like to me, it's almost sounds like a, I don't want to say four hundred one k, but more like I guess stock options. You just buy every month. You say twenty percent of my my salary is going to go back into stocks. Is that how it works? Um, oh, we could
0: talk about this for a long time. <laughs> but, uh, the so the way that it works is, and this is this is pretty standard. I think at most startups is, um, and most big companies out in in the Bay Area too, which is you when you sign up you're granted a certain the right to purchase a certain number of shares hmm. um, or options if the company's not public yet and um, you get a quarter of those after you've worked for a year okay and then you get monthly installments up until four years. Hmm. And then, like, if you get like promotions or raises or something like that, you'll get additional, okay. additional shares. So
1: after the first year, mm-hmm. do they now say, okay, give us twenty thousand dollars and you have these shares? You oh. you don't have to buy anything, um, but you are you're allowed to. You're allowed to so, at a set price. So let's say you want to, like in your mm-hmm. case, you always bought the maximum. Yeah. So so did you have like was it like a big bill at the end of the year? Say, give us now, give us twenty
0: thousand dollars. It was literally like I wrote a check uh, and think I wrote, I had one like after I'd been there for a couple of years and then another like right, like my last day, I wrote, I had another check and I was just like, cool, Mm -hmm. they put you on the books and everything. Okay. Yeah.
1: So now that you're not with the company, did you cash out and sell those shares? Um,
0: I was sitting on them for a while and then the company actually got acquired. And so at that point, just because of a bunch of legal stuff, I was just forced to cash out. Okay. Um, And... Not complaining about that, like, it's definitely helped fund my travels and okay. stuff like that. So who were they acquired by? Twitter. Okay, so big company. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: so, like, mil- like mil- like multi-million dollar acquisition? It was a half a billion dollar Half a billion? Yeah. So 500 million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was a big acquisition. So did you get more than a million dollars,
0: or, like, way less? No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't get more than a million dollars, but I got, and I don't have to be comfortable, it was, like, in the six figures, yeah. Okay, so you got a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Nice, man. Yeah,
1: so that's, that's been good. <laughs> All right. So you've been able to take that money, go to
0: Salt Lake yeah. for... Well, this actually happened after I'd already been in Salt Lake. Mm. I was just living off of savings in Salt Lake. I was planning to just live off of savings when I was doing my Southeast Asia travels. Mm-hmm. And I was like actually in this really pretty dingy hotel in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And it was the middle of the night. And my phone just started buzzing. Like, I had 50 messages, and I thought it was just my friends back home, like, maybe just partying or whatever, and decided to, like, bring me in on something. And it was just a, bu- a couple of friends that were just, like, trying delivering the news to me, and I could not believe it. I, like, had to check TechCrunch and everything first to verify them. <laughs>
1: the acquisition itself, you mean? Yeah, because okay. I thought
0: they were just messing with me.
1: <laughs> mm. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. The, well, I mean, was that the dream, or the, did you just get lucky? Um,
0: I... Honestly, I expected the company to, to IPO, okay. um, but I mean, I have no complaints at so, all.
1: So if that happened, so IPO is basically, they become a publicly traded stock. Yes. If that happened, would
0: your shares be worth more or less? It depends. I mean, okay. like the market kind of tanked recently, maybe not, um, but it's, it's all just like up in the air. Um, I would expect it to maybe have been, but I don't know. Okay.
1: So you were in this dingy hotel in the Philippines. How much, how much per night were you spending there?
0: The Philippines hotels were actually pretty expensive, so it was still like 20, more than 20 bucks a night. Okay. Um, but you
1: were in a $20 yeah. hotel. <laughs> yeah. And did you know
0: that night that you, your shares were now worth a lot more money? I had no idea how much they were going to be okay. worth. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of had a, a vague idea. Um, but I had no idea what the details of the deal were. I had no idea if I'd have to wait. I had no idea, like, about anything other than that, like, something was coming. Okay. Yeah. So, um, But that was exciting, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was really exciting.
1: So where were you when you found out how much, like, when did, when did you actually get the money?
0: Um, okay. I think I was in, I think I was in, I was either in Bali or the Philippines. I think, okay, so I was in Bali filling out the paperwork so that I could actually get the, get the cash or get get cashed out. And, uh, and I didn't have... My laptop was broken. Okay. And so I had this, like, 60-page PDF that I had to read on my iPhone. And I had to, like, download, like, an app so that I could sign things on it and, uh, like, check all the boxes and put in my, you know, my mailing address and everything. And, uh, and I, so, so I sent it off with that, um, like, literally sitting in a pool in Bali reading this stuff. That's the dream, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, right? And, uh, and I think I was in Vietnam when it actually... When I actually got, like... It was very weird because they didn't message me saying like, "Hey, you know, it's it's confirmed, mm. the deal's done, congratulations." It was just I woke up one morning and there was money in my bank account. That's nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I like so. it. <laughs> so, what prompted this Southeast Asia travel trip? Um, I've been wanting to travel for a while. I think was that was that my old job in in uh, San Francisco when I kind of just like walked in one day and I was. And I was thinking about going on vacation and was like, oh my god, I haven't left the U.S. for five years. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought that, like I always thought I would be somebody that would be traveling all over and like kind of be, you know, going all these different places that I've been wanting to go to for a while and five years had gone by and none of that had happened. Uh, so that was one of the other things that kind of spurred on me kind of moving along and leaving the Bay Area was that, like, I wanted it to happen. I
1: guess that happens when you're at a job and you're busy just with life in general. Yeah.
0: And you just, time just flies by. It really does. And like the nature of the job was such that like I could go on vacation, but you might get an email saying you need to like open up your laptop and check something and like, you know, fix something or something like that. So uh, even the vacations weren't like, I never felt really unplugged. Uh, And in Southeast
1: Asia, did you feel unplugged? (laughs) I guess your laptop was broken. Yeah, my laptop
0: was broken. I just had my phone. Um, no, it was awesome. Um, it, uh, I got to go to a bunch of different countries that I'd always kind of like considered I got to, you know, get uh scuba certified, learned how to surf, um, made it up to Chiang Mai. So it's been great. <laughs>
1: Such a crazy adventure! Like this Rich. can
0: literally be a, a novel. <laughs> I'll have to start working on the book. I mean, you should, <laughs> you should write a book. Right. Right?
1: People, I mean, this is interesting, yeah. especially for all the people who are, you know, still back home either working a normal job, especially if they're like in a startup. Right. This is their dream. Right. This is their dream to be able to have their, you know, get shares, mm-hmm. uh, be acquired by Twitter, right? Right, and then be able to just travel around with no laptop. <laughs> and lay by the pool signing PDFs
0: right <laughs> I mean I, I got very very lucky I think that's something I try to remember uh, because uh, the Bay Area is really exciting and you know they're always this is, this is like you know the story that people get pitched um, and I was fortunate enough that it worked out for me but it doesn't for a lot of people um, so you, you know so you in retrospect like let's say you
1: had to do it all over again yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you would have Cause, oh yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, I think everything, like I don't I don't have any complaints. Like it all worked out really well for me.
1: But do you think that you would be able to like pick another winner of company like pick another unicorn?
0: No. <laughs> was it just by accident? Uh, I always had a good feeling about it, but it's the only place that I've ever worked, uh, and I always trusted the the leadership. I always trusted my team my teammates. Like I knew everybody was smart, but like a lot of times. It, that's not enough you know like it's also just timing and luck and and other things that have to come together for uh, for success like that and so I I would not put my money on on, on picking another one but who knows <laughs>
1: okay so I'm curious what do you what do you do through money now are you investing in anything
0: yeah I'm investing in mostly just in index funds yeah. okay uh,
1: how did you feel about the Black Monday a few weeks ago?
0: I was kind of annoyed that I had just put in like a huge chunk of money, like two months before it happened. Uh, but this is the market; like, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna be making any changes. Just gonna yeah. ride just it hold out. on to it. Um, yeah.
1: Which which index funds are you invested in?
0: Um, it's a Vanguard Total Market Fund. VTI. Yeah, that's what I'm in. Sweet, yeah. Vanguard's the way to go. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, did you put that whole amount in? At, like right when you got it or you call it like dollar costs
0: averaging it um i put a put a big chunk of it in maybe about half mm-hmm. um the rest i'm saving just because i'm not totally sure of tax implications yet and i need to get that sorted out and i didn't want to be short on cash when that comes around um but yeah i'm not doing any of the dollar cost averaging i just decided to go with it
1: okay just yeah. throw it in there yeah. do you remember what you got in at uh um, 101 today i don't remember so the, okay so I know the, I'm down though because so in the <laughs> last year the highest it was at was like 108 maybe mm-hmm. and the lowest it's been it's like it was 96 hmm I mean I think I, I think I bought in like what, what month was it July July so March July mm-hmm. so I, July it was at 106 yeah. <laughs> so that's what I bought most yeah. of mine at too. And then, um, when it, I wrote about this on my blog, mm-hmm. so if anyone's curious about ch- checking out like where I invest my money, pretty much the exact same thing as you do, yeah. but I set up a buy order if it ever dropped below 100, oh. just because I wanted to put more money in, just because I had cash in the bank right. that wasn't I was doing anything with. But instead of just putting it in, I said, you know what, let me put in the orders, fill at 100 or less, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't fill, then oh well, it's, it says there. Right. And luckily, when it dropped, it dropped from, let's see, 108.85 to 96.95 overnight. (laughs) And even though I had a couple, I think I had an order in at 105 and then one at 100, Mm -hmm. but both of them got filled at 96.85 or something like that. So I got Mm -hmm. so lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. And now it's back over 100, so... Uh, I'm confident that if you just hold on to it, it's gonna it's gonna go back up. Yeah, fine. I'm just
0: trying not to check it. Really, not like out of a, you know, oh, I don't want to be disappointed and like I'm scared mm. kind of thing, but just like you know, it's a long term investment, so that's all that matters. Let it sit. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, you know what? Sounds like you're smart with your money. How did you even decide on on you
0: know Vanguard itself? Um, I think I got really into personal finance when I was in um, in San Francisco mm. because. Well, and the cost of living there's really high, and um, I was really kind of interested in this whole early retirement movement, and um, and like you know what kind of savings rates you need to have to like retire by thirty, and, and all of that kind of stuff, and um, and I was like every single blog that I read, it was it was almost like Vanguard was like sponsoring these places <laughs> or something, but it really it was just what people came to this. Everybody came to the same conclusion after like looking at all the options, and that was the way to go. Vanguard index funds pretty simple too you don't have to think about it just do it
1: simple and yeah for those who don't know what it is vanguard is a company that has an index fund and what an index fund is they basically buy the whole stock market and as the stock market goes up or down your your what your share is worth goes up or down and the reason why people recommend vanguard is they have the lowest fee right which is like 0.05%. point
0: zero five percent they have a different business model than a lot of other um, companies that will do this for you I don't really know a lot of the details for it but yeah. it ends up being very favorable to the people that are yep. investing
1: so I think traditionally you have a stockbroker or a mutual fund manager right. and they might take you know two to four percent mm-hmm. which is a, is just a waste of money because you don't need it right. so what came next I would say that's like 1.0 investing 1.0. Mm-hmm. Investing 2.0 was these automated brokers like Betterment and Wealthfront, right. which also work really well. And instead of taking 2 to 4%, they take 1% or 2%, mm-hmm. which is still, you know, it's you, know, you basically just double do money. It's yeah. great. Uh, and now we're just bypassing all that. Right. <laughs> and Vanguard is just like an algorithm where, you know, there's no one, I, I, like, I, I'd be surprised if they even have any employees like that need to do anything. Right.
0: Uh, and I mean, the thing to remember is like, you know, 1% doesn't sound like that much, but we're like playing this game uh, for compound interest and like 1% every year. That's that really does add up.
1: Um, yeah. And it, it's crazy because so I read Tony Robbins book, Money Master the Game. And it's hard. I, oh, so in the beginning, I recommended it to everyone because he interviews you know, the smartest people in finance. So the information in there is really invaluable because it teaches you the really the basics mm. Now the reason why I can't like earnestly recommend it to everyone is he recommends some products in there, like the his um his rainy I don't, all seasons portfolio okay. where it's basically like a mix of different bonds and ETFs and I'm different things,
0: yeah.
1: which sound you know like and he really hypes it up like he like mentions it on page two and it doesn't tell you what it is until page two hundred so mm-hmm. you have to read the whole thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and he keeps promoting this company called Stronghold, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a betterment or like wealth Wealthfront. Sure. Uh, so what I would suggest to everyone is if you want to know more about financing or finances, I would read the book and just ignore those two things. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll realize, you understand uh, why all mutual funds are ripoffs, mm-hmm. like literally 100% of them. Uh, anyone who thinks they know what they're doing with the stock market and they're like, oh, I've been getting, six, you know, 30% gains for the last, you know, three years. Yeah. Why? They're just gambling and they're just, they're just lucky. Right. And that just, that ends. Always that ends very, poorly. Yeah. Uh, and why at the end of the day, even though it's super boring to just buy an index fund and just yeah. never touch
0: it, it's the best, most prudent thing you can do. It really is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there was one other thing that I wanted to say about index funds, um, Huh, slipped my mind, but they, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been I've been doing that for the last few years, and it's been great.
1: And oh, the other little tip uh, is if you buy it directly from Vanguard.com, yeah. you don't have to pay the eight dollar fee that like Charles Shop or these other places charge you. Right, and when you're
0: sitting on these things for a while, you're like paying, you're not paying any of these fees to trade or anything like that. Yeah, because um, once you buy, you pretty much just just leave it. Just leave it. Yeah.
1: So I think everyone, I wrote, you know, I wrote about in the art, in the article, but the goal for everyone should be. Don't worry about financing yet. If you don't have a ton of money, uh, just worry about creating more income. Right. But then once you get to a point where you're like, okay, I have twenty grand in my bank, and just sitting there, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's just a waste. Then say, okay, like now I'm gonna start putting in two grand a month or three grand a month into this fund. Right.
0: Uh, yeah. You definitely need that nest egg first, just in case anything happens. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and and like, don't be intimidated by it. Like the Vanguard stuff, you know. It looks a little like oh I don't know if I I don't know how to invest I don't know how to do any of this properly but it's really not that bad and you just you buy once and you you, you sit set on it. yeah yeah so that's enough for that <laughs> okay, yeah enough finance talk <laughs> uh,
1: what was your cost of living like in San Francisco and then in Salt Lake City and then now here
0: okay uh, so in San Francisco I was lucky enough to be in a rent controlled apartment uh, and I think. I think I was paying, so I lived with, it was mostly me and then my roommate and then his girlfriend moved in with us too. So that was also like very lucky for me for rent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was paying maybe twelve fifty, dollars uh, And, but like that was a, a price in San Francisco where like if I told people, it they, you. they would, yeah, they would want to murder me because yeah. like that's just unheard of.
1: What, what were other people, colleagues paying for something similar?
0: Uh... I mean, it was really not unheard of to hear people paying, like, you know, definitely over $2,000 for, uh, for, like, a, a room and in, like, a multi-bedroom apartment. I think I honestly have one friend that lived alone, and she was paying... She must have been paying almost 2500 or something like that. Um, and, for, I mean, it was a new nice place, but it was... It's you know, a lot of money. It's a lot of
1: money. I mean, okay. So if you do the math, if you take that $2,500, let's say even 2000 mm-hmm. and you put it into a fund like right, yeah. Vanguard, <laughs> you will literally become a millionaire in the next well I haven't done the math but 20-30 years yeah, guaranteed yeah uh, just from putting that extra money you would have spent on rent right. into a fund
0: yeah so and then that you know there was food costs which wasn't, were not super cheap in San Francisco it's probably spending maybe overall a little under $2500 a month Uh um, and then I was, I was just like putting the rest away uh, to save so that I could travel uh, and like paying off student loans and all of that kind of stuff. And Salt Lake City, same rent was 500 for a two bedroom apartment, much lower cost of living. I think I got by on maybe 12. So, so it was a, a thousand for the apartment and you
1: were paying for half of it? Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, and it was like, a, it was a nice apartment. We had mm-hmm. plenty of room. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, like, food and ski stuff and, and all of that, yeah, put me in. I was shooting for, like, a $1,000 a month budget, and I kind of would, would hit over it every, just because stuff would come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, you were skiing all day, having fun. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, like, I was, you know, I had to go home to see my family for the holidays and all of that, so. But exactly yeah. half of what you're paying in Saskatchewan. Pretty much, okay. yeah. Uh, and then Chiang Mai, I was here for, yeah, all of July, and i pretty sure I spent less than a thousand dollars and I wasn't like budgeting myself at all it was like oh maybe I should get a massage today um, yeah I had a had a studio apartment that was like serviced so they would cleaned it every Friday gave me new sheets new towels and everything uh, I had a motorbike I was doing salsa lessons twice a week uh, like per- like private instruction and still it all came down to like Maybe a thousand dollars, and it's like so. I felt like I was getting so much more, like all of those things that I wanted to do, maybe in San Francisco, that were like too expensive or whatever. Um, could just do it, you know. Get a yoga club. Go to yoga whenever you want. Go to the gym and like go to a nice gym and all of that. So I like it. So yeah.
1: more freedom, more high, like almost pretty much a higher standard of living.
0: In a lot of ways, yeah. Um, I keep on trying to like tell people what it's like out here. Like like I was just home and trying to explain what Chiang Mai was like and I was just like, yeah, there's no I'm giving up nothing, really, in, in my in my standard of living. So
1: I actually posted a an apartment uh ad or something on my Facebook and uh-huh. explained like about from San Francisco. I'm like, this is the place I would want to live if I moved back to San
0: Francisco. Right. Did you yeah, see that? I did see that, yeah. And do you remember what I wrote? I wrote this long rant about uh, it. It was Pretty much, like, you would never even consider it, like, given the housing market there. And I don't remember how much it was, but it was... It was millions in the end, right? Like, that you were giving up.
1: Yeah, it was, like, it was a lot. It was, I mean, so it was a place for sale, Mm -hmm. but it was just like a... I think it was like a two-bedroom condo. Nothing, I mean, like, pretty much just, like, what I'm living in now. Like, literally, we're recording this now. And it was a nice place, Francisco. you know, that had a gym, had a pool but I have a gym and I have a pool here. Mm -hmm. And it's a good location, but this is a good location too. So really not that big of a difference. And from what I remember specifically there, it wasn't even the cost of the place. It was the fact that the monthly homeowners association, the just the price of that was more than my entire rent here. That's nuts. And this place is furnished. Right. And the other place was bare, so you'd have to go buy furniture. Uh, And a lot of people don't realize like, Furniture doesn't... I mean, I guess furniture can last forever, but in general, you're making repairs, you're buying new stuff, and, like...
0: If you move, you have to, like, get rid of all of it or, like, transport it somehow or whatever.
1: One thing that's actually funny is I have never bought a flat-screen TV. Really? And it's because in 2008, I guess, when I started traveling, Mm -hmm. that's when flat-screens started getting popular and everyone started having them. Right. And I've always had a brand new flat screen because wherever I live has, you know, a brand new flat screen. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize how fast they change, but I went back to my friend's house in New York and I remember the last time I was there, I was so envious of his new Apple, you know, huge flat screen that was so beautiful, right. like so HD. And I went there and I looked at it and I was like, what is this old piece of crap on your desk? <laughs> Because what I had sought last, it was the top of the line newest yeah, model, yeah. and now it was like literally this old piece of crap. You can barely stare at. Yeah, and it was so thick and ugly, and just like the the resolution was so bad. Right. And I thought, man, that's another two or three thousand dollars per year. Not maybe not per year, but every like a couple, of years, a couple of years that I'm not spending. Right. Just because I'm not, I'm not, you know, furnishing my house ever.
0: Right. Right. Yes, yeah, I don't even, like, it's not even an option if you're renting here in a lot of cases. Like, I don't, every single apartment, because I'm apartment hunting right now, every single place that I've looked at is furnished. Uh, and it's usually, like, decent stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I mean, and you yeah. know what? It's like, at the end of the year, who cares if the their IKEA stuff, you know, gets old or crappy, because you just leave
0: anyways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I'm looking for a six-month lease, like... Doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, as long as I don't have to buy everything new and then find a way to get rid of it when it's time for me to move. Like that's such a huge inconvenience.
1: And I've thought about going back to the U.S. and just like getting a service department rental, like a a first place. Yeah. It's it, they just don't really exist, and if you find one, it's so overpriced. It is. It's insane. Yeah. yeah.
0: Just don't because there's not a market for it there. I guess. Right. Right. It's. I mean. Yeah. It's a different. It's different here in Chiang Mai. Like. The, the people that are looking for places here tend to be, I guess a lot mostly foreigners, right? Mm-hmm. And so they know the market, yeah. they know who to, who to keep happy. <laughs> so what is your
1: apartment hunting advice for people coming to Chiang Mai for the first time?
0: For your first time, honestly, I would get like a, a one month like service department in Probably the Neiman area, um, just because that is just a nice kind of convenient place to be, you can kind of get out, outside of where a lot of the tourists are, uh, and there's tons of restaurants and coffee shops and, like, pun spaces close by. Um, check it out, like, one month is a long enough time for you to figure out where the good places are, you know, do some research, start, like, talking to the, uh, the property managers and stuff that are out here that can help you out and then and then sign up for like a six month or one year or whatever however long you want to be here Um, but it's also like I was surprised just how easy it is to come here and just like within a day have a place like you really don't like you don't need to book anything beforehand online just show up like you'll you'll be fine
1: that's actually the advice I give everyone I say get a hotel room for two or
0: three nights yeah and just show up yeah (laughs) and you'll be fine it's it's Amazingly convenient. Um, nothing like apartment hunting in the Bay Area. I mean, like that. yeah. What was that like
1: finding your place? How did you find a rent-controlled apartment in San Francisco? Um,
0: I just got lucky with that, um, and we were we were looking on Craigslist, uh, and we were actually very fortunate because we only spent three weeks or a month or so looking. Um, I have friends that were looking for multiple months trying to get the right place, and like. You know you'll hear these stories about uh, if you like say have an extra room, and you want to rent it out, you'll put an ad on Craigslist and like get you know fifty plus responses from people, uh, like pretty much full on resumes. Then you like have then you'll go in, and you'll have to interview them, and it's like a whole thing. Uh, I didn't have to do any of that thankfully, but it was a lot of just going to viewings, competing with people that you know are couples making where each each person is making you know over six figures and they're ready to put down a deposit like the second that the landlord says yes uh, lines of people that are all looking at the same kind of you know just crappy apartment Uh, it's it's just it's a mess (laughs) so how did you get yours? Um, we it was actually pretty funny my roommate and I we didn't really know each other that well we toured this one place we sent in our application and then uh, and we called up The uh, the landlord a couple days later to check on it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you're actually one of the the last three groups that we're looking at. It's uh, it's uh, see you guys, the uh, the policeman and his family, and the other gay couple." (laughs) I was like, "Oh, does he think we're a gay couple?"
1: Wait, Trevor, are you not gay?
0: Not gay. (laughs) (laughs) Just just check. So, uh, (laughs) but. I mean, it got me an apartment in San Francisco, so I was <laughs> like, all right, you know, whatever the landlord thinks is fine. As long as he thinks that we, like, we're, we're going to be good tenants, I'll take it. <laughs> so how did um, he decide
1: on you versus the other gay couple <laughs> the I basement?
0: I have no idea. I was just, I was happy when he, he called us up and said we could take it. So I just, we like moved in like the next day pretty wow, much. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was in 2011. Like it's, it has not gotten... Easier. easier it's no, gotten way more, more expensive competitive. yeah
1: that's so crazy man yeah <laughs> yeah I, would, what,
0: I do not envy anybody doing the apartment hunt out there
1: man i don't think i have a big desire to, to go through that anytime soon mm-hmm. not saying that i will never want to go through that i would say for the next two years i don't want to think about it yeah and then two years from now i'm gonna i'm gonna think okay do i want to Move, I you know honestly I don't think I'll ever move back to San Francisco even though my my parents are there. Mm-hmm. I think if I move back, it's gonna be like Austin, sure, maybe Florida. I don't know somewhere somewhere else somewhere else. You know, just because it's I don't want to deal with the the retarded amount of of rent people are paying for no reason.
0: Right, uh, it's just crazy right now. I don't know. Something I feel like something's gotta happen yeah. to correct, but uh, it's it's uh, Pretty, it's pretty ferocious
1: <laughs> So one thing I actually wanted to bring up was A friend of mine, she, met, she commented on, on that post saying mm-hmm. she, let, she said, you know, she loves Chiang Mai yeah. But it's not San Francisco And I thought about it, you know, long and hard Because mm-hmm. I wanted to be pretty objective about it And she's right, San Francisco is better mm-hmm. There's more stuff to do There's you know, As good as the restaurants are in Chiang Mai There's more restaurants in yeah. San Francisco as nice as the nature is around here, there's more nature around San Francisco. Right. You know, as cool as the people are, there's more people. Like I mean, they just like San Francisco is better. Yeah. You know, there's things like Uber that we don't have yet. Right. There's you know um, shows or like yeah. uh, comedy clubs. You know, things that I wish were here. Mm-hmm. However, the reason why I still believe that Chiang Mai is overall a better lifestyle is we actually have the time and money to do these things that it does have right so it's like we're doing you know 80% of what's available in Chiang Mai all the time versus in San Francisco in reality I mean in, in those three years that you were there mm-hmm. like how often would you actually you know take advantage of of like let's say the shows or a comedy club or yeah. the nature yeah
0: because you're always working right I mean you know shows a couple times a year mm-hmm. um you usually get up to Tahoe maybe once a year um I mean, I don't know exactly what you're talking about, like, with the cost of living and stuff. Like, when I moved, first moved to San Francisco, I really wanted to start getting into yoga. And I did it for about six months. And then I was just like, I can't justify this expense anymore. Like, I, you know, I, I have to go at six in the morning because I have to be in at work. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you just wake up and you don't want to go. And then you're like, feel bad because you're monthly. You know, membership—you're not taking advantage of it, and you know it's not cheap. And so, I just stopped. Um, and yeah, yeah. How much was the yoga there? I think it was—it was definitely over a hundred bucks a month mm-hmm. for like an unlimited membership at a place, and that would mean for me like three to four times at most a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like like it, it's not the. Most expensive, thing. but you know, all those things add up, yeah. Because like, you can pay for that, you have to pay for you pay for a gym membership, you pay for you know all these other kind of like things that just attach to you, and uh, it does add up, yeah. And there's actually a
1: huge yoga community here mm-hmm. where most of them I think they either just don't work at all and they just do yoga every yeah. day, or they teach English and they kind of just make enough money to get by, right? And then they do and they do yoga, yeah and it's much cheaper here. Still a
0: fantastic community. Yeah, I mean, my the place that I was going to when I was here last, a month ago, like, my instructors were from Switzerland, from Austin, Texas, from the other one was a New Yorker. Uh, oh, it's a yoga tree? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I really like that guy from New York. Yeah. He reminds me of Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> he does not put up with any of your nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fantastic place. I, exactly. I don't remember exactly how much it cost, but it was.
0: Do you, do you remember? I think it was like five bucks a class or something. Like, I mean, whatever five, it was, almost? it was a lot cheaper than so much cheaper. Yeah, much
1: much cheaper. Yeah, I and I actually kind of like the the setting where you can hear birds. Yeah, you know, it feels like you're. Even though this particular place was in the old city, right, it still was really secluded, really quiet.
0: Yeah, that would have been much more expensive for that kind of experience anywhere in the U.S., I think. Yeah,
1: because especially in Sasko, I assume, you know, even though I'm sure the studio is very nice, it's like an indoor, air-conditioned, kind of sterile place.
0: Yeah, you know, a lot of... I think San Francisco in particular is good about having like a pretty nice vibe in most mm-hmm. of the studios, but, you know, sometimes you'll go to a class and there's like 100 other people in it, mm. like depending on the studio that you go to. Um, so, most of my classes here were like 7 people tops. And... You know, the structure gets a lot of attention and, and all of that. And no, nobody's in a rush? Because no. you don't have to go to work afterwards? Yeah. No, that's great. You don't have to do it at 6 a.m. Okay. Yeah. So show up at like 10.30. And then you, you chill afterwards. Yeah.
1: You, you know, there's like, they serve coconuts there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you just hang out in the garden. Mm-hmm. Talk, to, talk to the instructor, talk to the other students, then then head back.
1: Yeah. And just kind of do your thing. Yeah. I like it. So now that you're in Chiang Mai again, well, I mean, what brought you back?
0: Well... I wanted to... So, so I'm running a dropshipping company now, uh, and I wanted to get that really ramped up. And I, I mean, you can't really compete with the cost of living like we talked about already. And, you know, there's a community here of, of people that get it, uh, of people that can help you. Like, I mean, even like when I was in San Francisco talking about what I was doing, I mean, there's definitely a, a very entrepreneurial vibe there. But like people would be like, okay, so, uh, so give me your pitch. I'm like, wait, my pitch... I have a store and I sell things to people that want those things and they give me money. And that was kind of like, well, why would you need investors for that? I'm like, I don't need investors. <laughs> and, uh, and it just like totally didn't really resonate with uh, the entrepreneur community there. Uh, but here, you know, it's, it's a completely different story. Uh there's, there's so many people that are, have kind of made the mistakes that you might be about to make and can help you out. There's people that can, you know, just give you good advice on the next thing that you might want to be working on. You can hear tons of, you can you can leverage all the experience that the community has here.
1: Yeah, even though we're all kind of, I guess, in the tech scene or internet scene, it's completely different. It is. Like, I listened to This Week in Startups. Shout out to at Jason on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just his first name. Um, he, he's very proud of that. Yeah. Uh, but... I know it has nothing to do with with what I'm doing. Sure, yeah. But it's still interesting to me right. because people work online. It's you know it's fun to you know to listen. Mm-hmm. But what we do is bootstrapped businesses, where the point of it is to get cash flow as soon as day one as possible. Mm-hmm. You know we don't care about users. We don't care about. You know, like, like you use number of users. Number, yeah, of users, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, we need some users. Mm. I want, I, I want one user a day. Mm. I'm happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> if that person is paying mm. and you know, and he's buying something, I'm happy with one user a day. Yeah. And nobody wants VC funding. Nobody wants seed capital. Mm-hmm. What's funny is if you hang out on PuntSpace long enough, people will come in and just kind of like pitch to the room, say, "Hey, we're here from Bangkok. Does anyone need funding?" Uh-huh. And you would expect people to line up and like with their pitch decks and like right, right, right. want meetings, and we're like, no, we're good, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and it's such a weird, yeah, I mean, it's so different. It is really
0: different. I mean, um, can you imagine that happened back in San Francisco? That would no, like that, that would be unheard of. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's really cool out here, and I, I mean, I can't really think of another place where it's so really easy to get plugged in into the community, into the, into making it a home, into, like, you know, the, the scene of all the, like, fun things to do around here. It's just, like, very simple.
1: So let's rewind. When you, you said you heard a, did you hear, did you hear the podcast or did you find my blog before you came?
0: I think okay. I found your blog first uh, and then the podcast. Yeah.
1: Okay. So you're listening to it, reading the blog, listen to it, mm-hmm. decided to come to Chiang
0: Mai. Yeah. Then what? Um, well, I think I was kind of, like, I wasn't sure about Chiang Mai, so I was like, I keep on hearing about it, but like, is it really there, or is it just like, you know, a couple of very vocal people that have been really successful, um, and, and so I just wanted to check it out, that's why I only stayed for a month when I first came, and I was like, if I don't like it, I don't like it, uh, that's fine, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it was I was already in Southeast Asia people like even if you're not doing uh any type of you know solo entrepreneurship work or anything like that Chiang Mai is still an awesome place to come like you'll talk to backpackers and stuff along the way and they're like yeah after I got done with like kind of the party scene of the islands and all of that in Thailand I went to Chiang Mai and had an awesome time and I want to go back and all of that like it's just a really cool place no matter what Uh, so yeah there was really nothing stopping me from coming and uh and then you know, once I liked it, it really took me. I think a week and a half, maybe two weeks, before I was like, "Okay, I'm coming back." Mm. Yeah.
1: So first day, you got an apartment, mm-hmm. showed up at pun space, yeah. got a membership, yeah. met me having coffee yeah. or making coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> and how? And then from there, uh, did you meet a lot of other nomads and people? people yeah. There?
0: Yeah. I mean, I was I was actually really kind of surprised. Because, you know, you meet, you know, a couple people one day, you meet a few people the next day. I go to the other pun space location a lot, you know, you meet people there. And I remember on my last day when I was about to, ready to fly out, I, like, you know, I said goodbye to you, and I said goodbye to some of the other people that we, we normally sit with. And then I, like, started going around the room, and I, like, I felt like I had to do, like, a tour of just, like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'll see you later, man, I'll be back. And I just, I couldn't believe it, you know, I was just, like, hugging everybody and everything like that. And I was like, oh, there's, you know, it's just been a month, but I've really... I really like feel like I know the place. Uh, so that was that felt really good.
1: I've only been to a couple co working spaces in San Francisco. Uh mainly we work. Oh yeah. Great, beautiful place, mm. but nobody wanted to talk to me. Mm. Like I I almost feel like it was almost the opposite of JY. what.
0: Yeah, it's I think the it's pretty special here. I worked out of another place in San Francisco when I was back, uh, called Workshop Cafe, which was kind of like a mix between a coffee shop and an actual co-working space. And I don't think I talked to a single person when I was there, except for maybe like, I didn't get to know like the, the, uh, like baristas and stuff pretty well, but that was it. Um, and that was just the vibe there. Uh, and I think that's pretty normal for most co-working spaces.
1: That sucks because it's like, Going to college and then not be able to make friends. Yeah. Versus here, this is what people dream of when they show up at the dorm the first day. Right. And <laughs> everybody's like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, what
0: do you want to do? How can we help? Um, I so, think- going go on. I, I was to like, say, I think that's the vibe that people want at co working spaces. Like, that's why they get started, is for that kind of like spontaneity and like kind of serendipity type thing where ideas start to come together because everybody's just. In the same place and and working hard and just happens to be interacting, but I don't know. Maybe I'm doing the co-working spaces in the U.S. wrong, and I'm not like social enough or something. But it it, it didn't happen at all when I was there. I mean, I'm sh- I'm
1: sure there are you know some people that get plugged in easily, yeah. but I mean, I had the same experience. So I would say overall, you know, people aren't trying, They're not meet, trying to meet new people. They have their group of friends. Mm-hmm. They have the the company, the startup that they work for. They have like trade secrets they don't want to tell anyone. Right. So here it's really different because everyone's doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. I want to publicly apologize on my podcast <laughs> that if you met me in the last couple months and you came up to to me at let's say a punk space or you know wherever it was, and if I wasn't that friendly, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I thought about it. Actually, my buddy Chris mentioned it to me. He's like. He's like, Johnny, like, you know, people are coming up and saying like, dude, your book changed my life. Uh I moved, you know, halfway across the world to come to to Chiang Mai and, you know, I'm here. Uh And I, you know, and all I said would be like, oh, cool. Welcome. Yeah. And And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think what it is, is I don't want to say I was jaded. Uh, I think I just, I mean, you know, and it doesn't matter how many people a week come up and say that because Mm -hmm. each individual person is making a big journey. Yeah. So I should take the time to to acknowledge and respect that. Mm-hmm. I think that the only reason why I wasn't more like excited was because I wasn't in a in a good place in my own life the last couple of months. You know, I've been stressed with work, with relationships, mm-hmm. uh with, you know, just just all these other things going on in my life where I'm kinda like like it's like a reflection, you know, like there's a, there's a book called The Four Agreements that I would highly encourage everyone to read. It's really, really good. And one of the agreements is never take anything personally because mm. nothing someone does is is anything else besides a reflection of how they're feeling at the time. Right. You know. So with certain people, like I was, you know, like maybe family got me on a good day mm. and I was super friendly. Right. <laughs> and like I just happened to be going to lunch anyways. and I'm like, mm. oh, yeah, hey, like, you know, come along on lunch. Sure. And then other times I was stressed about something or, you know, I was dealing with, like, personal issues. Yeah. And I'm just like, hey, welcome, you know. And I I always thought I was friendly to people. Mm -hmm. But now that I think back, I'm like, you know what, I could have been... Sure. Like, I could have taken that extra step.
0: Sure. I mean, I can see that being really difficult, though. Like, not trying to, like, blow smoke up your ass or anything, but, like, you're a big face of, like, digital online community. Mm -hmm. Especially in Chiang Mai. You're a big Chiang Mai spokesperson. So, like, it can... I can see it being, like, always, like, I remember when I met you, I was like, oh, man, this is, like, this is the guy, <laughs> like, and, uh, and I was, like, even, like, nervous to go up to you at first and everything, so I can, I can see that happening a lot and it being hard to, like, give it a genuine, uh, appreciation every single time, but,
1: but what I, I have been trying to do yeah. is if I don't have time to hang out, I always try to introduce them to like one or two other people, yeah. Especially if it's at pun space, yeah. So then they have like a crew
0: of of people who maybe just moved here, sure, recently as well. Like other people just getting started, other yeah. people that even just like people to go and eat lunch with and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and because and I think part of the reason why I never like went out of my way. To, to do it is because I know how easy it is here to, to meet other people I'm like well like I don't have like you don't have to hang out with me like yeah. there are 20 other people in this coworking space you can meet
0: right. they're all like interesting people and <laughs> cool stories <laughs> like yeah
1: so yeah. and you know like let's say for apartments like I you know first off I don't have time to like explain to everyone like how to find an apartment yeah um, and I also know it's super easy so just like just do it <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You'll, you'll figure it out but
1: at the same time I have to put myself in their shoes when it was my first day I was scared. Yeah. Even though maybe it's irrational and there was like no reason to worry or to be scared, mm-hmm. you know, I was still worried. So that's why I, I wrote this mega blog post called Johnny's Ultimate Guide to Chiang Mai. Right. I
0: think I read that before coming.
1: Did you? Yeah, I think that's okay. so. good. Yeah. And it it just makes it so much easier because I really put everything out there, like I was writing it basically to a friend mm-hmm. and say this is everything I would recommend. Mm-hmm. And then if people still have questions, I'm always happy to help. Sure. You know, like I get so many random Facebook messages a day, ranging from everything about finding an apartment to business to, you know, like, who knows what. Uh, and it's so it's nice to be able to just link that to them and say, like, this is what I would do.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, that's, what, that's what blogs are, like, perfect for, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, that information that needs to be recirculated over and over again, and it's always valuable. Uh, uh, so how did you get started with job shipping? Um, I, I was looking at... A few different ideas for just starting to make a little bit of money. Like, mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, if I could be getting a thousand bucks a month, I could pretty much be traveling in Southeast Asia indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I considered things like blogging, um, like doing a software product, which would really, like, really seem to make a lot of sense mm-hmm. for someone with my background. Like, you know, software sells. It's uh, something that I, f- I feel like I can do a pretty decent job of. Uh, I'm like already very familiar with the e-commerce space where there's like, a lot of money. Um, so I, uh, I actually seriously considered that for a little while. Uh, and what I, ended up, what I ended up deciding on dropshipping was like, I was really, really interested in uh, learning how to run a business mm-hmm. and all of the stuff that had to happen and I had to learn and I had to grow into to, to actually do properly. And I knew that if I started a software company, I would almost hide in the product. Hmm. Like I would always be like, oh, you know, it's like, I just know how I work and I know how I build things. And it's like, I would always never feel like it was ready. And I would always, um, I would always kind of like avoid putting myself into those uncomfortable situations of things that I didn't know how to do just because I could always work on the software. That's the way software is. You can always improve it and always work on it. So uh, I decided for my first chance, my freedom, my first run, just do a business where I don't really have to worry about coding or anything like that. And, uh, and dropshipping just made a lot of sense just because of the resources available, of the, uh, kind of, you know, the fact that other people were doing it here and, uh, and yeah, that, that kind of just all came together.
1: Very cool. Mm -hmm. And did you first hear about it on like my blog or podcast or somewhere else?
0: I think it was somewhere else, but I don't remember where, um, I was, yeah, I was reading a few different sources for a while about people that had gotten started with dropshipping and like all the kind of, there's a ton of guides and like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, short courses and stuff that you can, you can run through. Even Shopify just has like a, how to get started with dropshipping, like course that mm-hmm. you can run through in a day. Um, uh, so I was just absorbing information for a while and that, that kind of made sense. Okay.
1: So did you ever end up signing up for Anton's course?
0: I did. Yes. And what made you decide mm-hmm. to do that? Um, Pretty much like once I got here and decided that I wanted to actually like you know go all in with dropshipping, I was just like okay, how can we minimize my chance of failure here? Like, what's the fast track? I don't I don't want to waste my time with like you know the dumb mistakes, the false starts, uh, the completely avoidable things that would have that keep you from starting to just get traction and make money. And I was like, okay, if this is a you know a few hundred dollars or whatever like, the cost of the courses I don't remember like just like an initial investment like do it because it's going to pay off mm-hmm. like this is something that you know, i'm planning to do for years not like a you know two month kind of how quickly can i make cash thing so those initial investments they 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 make sense All Right. and was it worth it yeah it definitely was um i mean i think there's some um, there's a lot of new stuff that's coming up mm-hmm. that that maybe isn't reflected in the course yet um but the forums i think are so valuable mm-hmm. and uh seeing other people's experiences, seeing, being able to, to reach out and, uh, and just like, just like little stuff like, oh, how do I get this thing to work on my store? Or like, oh, I didn't know, I don't know where to get like, you know, my, you know, all that stuff you have to do to actually start a business, like the certification and the registration and like your licenses and all of that. Just like having those resources there and people that have actually really dealt with the problems, uh, was super valuable. One thing that is, Really
1: been annoying me, but I've I make it a point not to respond to to I don't say all right I I don't respond to any like negativity online yeah. just because I'm like you know what I don't care
0: it's, it's not like it's, it's not worth it
1: <laughs> yeah because it just spirals down and you just get dragged down into mm-hmm. this pit but one thing that I read recently I really wanted to respond to it mm-hmm. I just didn't because I'm like you know what if that's what they want to believe that's yeah. that's their you know that's the thing and some guy he wrote that you know why dropshipping doesn't work mm-hmm. and he listed all these reasons and the thing that annoyed me most about it was i think as someone who's hasn't gotten started yet mm. it'll really prevent them from wanting to start because yeah. they all sound like they could be logical reasons but as someone who owns a profitable store i'm like this is so stupid right and like some of the reasons were <clears throat> all the good domain names are taken and I was like, "Who cares?"
0: Yeah, like <laughs> just have
1: a longer domain name. Yeah, like,
0: it's, f- it's fine. People don't type these things in anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: yeah, and like I'm like, n- n- that's not even true.
0: No, like I, I, I spent a couple hours. I think I have a pretty decent domain for what for what my mm-hmm. my niche is, and you know, definitely like the obvious ones were completely gone or were like twelve thousand dollars to buy. But within the day, I had found something that I was really happy with. And the thing is.
1: That is a problem that every online... Every website's going to have. Yeah. So if you sort of blog, if you sell... Like, if you do anything, mm-hmm. you have to have a domain. And, yeah. like, I don't understand why this person, like, had that as a... As a main factor of his argument against <laughs>
0: Josh Right. Shepard. And, like... I haven't seen this post. Okay.
1: Just, yeah. This. Don't, uh, don't waste your time. To okay. <laughs> right. uh, and I, I honestly don't even remember what the other ones were, but like all of them, 100% of them had some truth in it. Yeah. yeah it is like a lot of good domain names are taken. Right. That's, right. That is true. Yeah. I would love to have bestbuy.com. Right. But it's, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not available. Yeah. It's <laughs> right? not going to happen. But, and, and that's the hard part is, you know, people, people that like haven't either never tried it themselves or... They kind of tried to do that free route where they like read that Shopify guide and yeah. they read all these other free articles and they're like, "Okay, let me try it." And it didn't work for them. And then they're like, oh, okay, it doesn't work." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they were not dedicated like you are. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think especially like if you're not sure and you really want to do it, like those kinds of those kinds of things can really stick with you. Um, like I'm glad I haven't. I'm glad I did not see that mm-hmm. before I started because it would have been in the back of my mind all the time. Like oh, you know, maybe my, maybe the reason that I haven't gotten, like, you know, as many sales as I want is because my domain's really bad. Or something along those lines. Uh, but, and I mean and it isn't easy. Like, it's not something that, like, getting the business off the ground is not something that happens in a week or even, a, like, a month or, or whatever. How, how long did it take you? Um, let's see, I had my, I started driving traffic to my site just with, like, you know, PPC stuff after a Bit over a month, okay, uh, and then I had my first sale about two weeks in, um, and then yeah, it's, it's it's been about two three weeks since then too. So, so
1: it only took you six months to to start your store and then get your first sale. Six, I mean, six
0: weeks. Six, yeah, six six weeks. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's really I, good. Actually. I was really happy with that. Okay, uh, and uh, I think I think a lot of it just had to do with the fact that I was here uh and it was my full-time thing mm-hmm. um if i had you know if i had my other jo- if i had another job or if i had a family or something like that i could totally see it taking much longer mm-hmm. but it was just my one my one and only for a while um, still fun. is well dude, congratulations thanks yeah. yeah uh how what do you think what the biggest obstacles were um calling up people like calling up suppliers was something like like, I was on my first call since I was calling the U.S. and I was, in, I was in Chiang Mai. I was like at I think nine in the evening and I was sitting in Puntspace, space. I was the only one there. And uh, and I had my I had the supplier I was going to call up and like my my foot was like literally shaking. And, like, and I was starting to sweat because I was so nervous. <laughs> and I was like, I knew I was like, I'm going to call these people up and they're going to be like, oh, you're just some dude from the Internet who has no idea what he's talking about. And uh, you know, please don't call us back <laughs> ever, and uh, and all of that. And then you know, like I called them up, spoke to a really nice person on the phone. Like I think my first, my first call, I made the mistake of not knowing the difference between a brand and a supplier. So I like called them up, and they're like, no, you just need to message our suppliers. And then when I did that, you know, I I uh, I think I got my first supplier signed on, like you know my maybe my second person I called oh nice congrats yeah yeah. Um, so that that was awesome Um, and it just got easier after that Uh, and you know it was I think but I think after I did that like I don't know it was so empowering to just feel like you know I can just call these people up be like hey this is Trevor with you know whatever company Um, and they take you seriously Mm -hmm. because you take yourself seriously and like you know this is a business and it's really easy I think to to just think of it as like a oh, this is just a thing I'm trying or oh, this, I don't know if this is going to work out but like it's an actual business mm-hmm. and it's not like a like people always use the term like, oh, I need to get a real job or whatever, like this is a real job mm-hmm. um, you, gotta, you gotta treat it like that and other people will treat you like that
1: I respect that so much, yeah. especially coming from someone who has enough savings now to not have to do this. Right. What made you decide that you want to put in this effort? Because, I mean, it's not easy. I mean, as you said, right. it took you six weeks. Right. You know, it took me eight weeks. You right. know, to, I mean, it's it's a big process. It is. You know, and you're, you're basically treating it like another full-time job.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, like, the thing with the cash coming in was I'm trying to treat that as much as, like, a – I'm trying not to lean on it too much. Uh, I'm trying to add as much of it to my savings as I can um, because like like that if I don't if I don't start doing something that cash is going to run out like very quickly Uh, and I'm very much somebody that believes in you know uh, or what I'm trying what I'm trying right now is just like being independent and uh, being sustainable on your own with like with this business Uh, I want the the freedom and the peace of mind that kind of comes along with, with something that's successful like that um, so yeah, I mean, I did for a while consider like, oh yeah, actually, you know, I don't have to do anything, but this is what I want to be doing. So here I am. <laughs> Good. So what are your, what are your plans? What are your goals? Um, my immediate goals are to get the store to the point where it's sustaining me in Chiang Mai. Uh, I, I have like kind of like a few high end, like, uh, do I want to keep this just a drop shipping store? Maybe we can like. If, if it goes really well, and like, cause I really actually like the niche that I'm in, mm. um, like turning it into a, maybe we have our own product and we're selling that and now we don't have to actually drop ship, but you know, there's a lot of challenges that come along with that. Um, and, uh, and then from there, you know, I guess what I need to see is if this is going to be something where I kind of try to get it onto autopilot mm-hmm. where it's just always bringing in money or if it's something that I want to keep on growing as much as I can to, uh, to the point where probably it's no longer really a dropshipping business but like a, a big player in the space well i think that's what's so cool about anton's course is he
1: keeps adding new modules new videos to it mm-hmm. and he's trying to basically get people to to get to a point where they can either choose one or two paths where they can just automate and say okay i'm happy with that yeah now let me either make another store or let me do something else right or you could start importing and private labeling products, so you mm-hmm. can become a supplier. You can become a brand, right. and other people can drop ship for you. Right. And I think are you, you going to go to the retreat this year? I'm planning to. Yeah, still need to buy that ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so it's in <clears throat> October. So it's a month from now. Yeah. Um, I would like to say to people, if you haven't started a store, to to you know to come right. to the retreat. But honestly, I think this one's going to be more for people who already are making sales, mm. uh, already have a profitable store. Last year, it was more for you know people kind of just starting out, you know, made the first sale or two, just learn how to optimize. Right. I think this year is going to be more about like really scaling, blowing up, because mm. it's going to be a lot of the people who are now making you know pretty much like a pretty good full time income because right. they have a couple stores doing like 4000 5000 a month. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to like, okay, what should I do yeah. with this with the this, right. this money? And what's crazy is I wish these people would be more at, like vocal or mm-hmm. like blog more. Sure. Because I don't, you know, I I, mean, I know I'm not the only one, but I'm one of the people who like really talks about it. Yeah. And
0: I also get all the heat for it. Sure, yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. cuz like you put you put like your you know your your numbers out every month and like People can go in and like dissect that. Um, I don't think anybody else does. That's, yeah, yeah.
1: And you know, it's not. That, I mean, that, that was the the path I chose. You yeah. know, I'm like, okay, I can either just keep quiet about it and just just do it on my own, mm. or I can just let everyone know what I'm doing. Right. And so far, you know, it's it's giving me a ton of heat, but it's also giving me a ton of opportunities. Yeah. And other things as well. Yeah. So really excited for that and the retreat. I bet you when we get there, we're going to meet so many, I mean, literally there's going to be a hundred people there, a hundred mm-hmm. other members. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, at least half of them are going to be making, you know, 3000 to 5000 a month. Right. And you're going to be like, why don't you ever freaking post <laughs> in the forum? Like, like this would be so helpful. Right. Yeah. And I think these people are just busy. Yeah. You know, or like they have no incentive. Yeah. Like they're like, they, they post a lot when they're first starting out. Right. And then the last post they made would be like, oh, you know, I had a great month. I made 2K. Mm-hmm. And then they stop posting, and you're like, "Well, what happened to that 2K? Like, did that yeah. just
0: overnight? Did it, is that gone, yeah.
1: or are you like just Have doing you something doubled like, it? Are you done with it? Like, yeah, what are you doing yeah, now?" Yeah, uh,
0: no, I'm definitely. I mean, I'm guilty of that. Like, I haven't really posted on the forums much at all. I just like I read, um, and even the last few weeks, I, I, haven't, I haven't been super active at all. But that that information is so valuable to people just getting started. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe I should. You should you both, post like, in. definitely,
1: 100% post in there. Yeah. And I'm glad there are, uh, like, a few people who, like, for a long time, it was me helping new people and the new people helping each other. Mm-hmm. But now, I actually don't have as much time to post in there. Right. And I just logged in. I actually, I try to log in every day. Just, I check my, like, I have a progress thread on there mm-hmm. that if people ask me questions on there, I'll answer it. Because, yeah. you know, I feel like it's, it's, it's like, at least I can do. Yeah. It's mine. Yeah. Uh, but I normally don't have time to go on everyone else's threads and follow along. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I did today and I'm happy There's like five or ten other guys who are all successful all doing a couple thousand a month yeah. and they are taking the initiative to help each other out that's great so I'm very happy with that yeah. uh, and the reason why I, I like helping people in the forums is I know that number one they know all the basics because they've been through the course second they paid you know a thousand dollars to join Anton's course so yeah. they are serious yeah. and you know third like I know they you know they genuinely truly want they're dedicated mm-hmm. so that's why even though after they joined Anton's chorus, there's no incentive for me to help. Yeah, but I help anyways because I want people to
0: succeed. Right. I mean, I remember before, before uh, I actually purchased it, I was like, I wish I could just get forum access. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, why? Why isn't that free or whatever? Like, why isn't this just like a you know some site that you can go to? But it, it totally makes sense um, because it's it is a community of people that are are very serious. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, and
1: you know, if it wasn't for the core modules, people would be asking the same stupid questions over and over, over and over. <laughs> so it's good that they watched all the videos first. Yeah. So yeah. that that's probably the main reason. Yeah, definitely. So uh, if you guys wanted to join the course, if you guys want to do it through my link, it's AntonMethod.com, or you can go to the show notes uh, or my recommended resources page uh, on my pa- on JohnnyFD.com, and you get a free bonus. So it's my way of kind of helping people get started uh it's pretty informal it's just a bunch of videos that i filmed on how i do niche selection and how i know when to call suppliers Mm -hmm. uh and it's mainly what it was to be honest was people kept asking the same questions and i would always answer it yeah but then i'm like it must be easy it would be easier if i just like recorded something and put it
0: up there i i think you would just headed out for maybe a, a week or so when I when I got the course mm-hmm. and it was really helpful. Was it? Okay. Yeah, so perfect. It was. Yeah. Okay. So if you want that for free,
1: use my link and I get credit for referring you and you get this free bonus. So it's win-win for both of us. And if you end up signing up for Shopify, uh, which is the platform that Anton recommends, I have a 20% off coupon in there that you can use as well. Uh, Trevor, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Thanks I luck, really, man. really appreciated that. Yeah, this has been great. If people want to keep in touch with you, how, how can they find you on social media? Let's see, on Twitter, I am Trevor G. Reed. You don't have at Trevor?
0: No, I wish. Uh, <laughs> Trevor Gangster Reed on Twitter. Twitter, Instagram. I think that's about it. <laughs>
1: okay, awesome. Uh, let's enjoy the rest of Chiang Mai, and I'll see everyone next week. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus How to Choose the Perfect Niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.